0: Paul is writing to the Romans and to us to say, because Jesus died and was raised, uh, it makes a difference in our life. Jesus was raised for us. And so let's talk about what that means, he's saying. So I want to start. He has this little introductory part where basically he's saying life looks different because of Jesus. Life looks different for us. There's a new reality. It makes a difference in our life that Jesus lived and died and raised again. So there's a lot of ways to talk about that. And over the, all these weeks since Easter and really for the rest of the month, we're, we're talking about the same kind of thing. But today, the, the tact, that, tact that Paul takes is to talk about sin uh, as one aspect of how life looks different. And he starts, um, he's kind of picking up something he's been writing about in the previous chapter, uh, which is God's grace. But he uh, evidently has run into what we sometimes think for ourselves or run into, which is if God's grace is so big, so unconditional, so covering everything, why does it matter what we do at all? In fact, I mean, if you really want to kind of push that, maybe, maybe if, I, if I sin, if I do something bad, it'll just make God look all the better because he'll forgive me and isn't God great. And that's when Paul jumps in and says one of his famous May it never be. You've gone too far down that line of thinking, and you've missed the point altogether. So then he starts asking um, these questions that you have to read about five times uh, to figure out what he's saying. The first question is, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, yes, God's grace is huge. It covers all of our sins. It's new every morning. God will give us a second chance and a third chance. But listen, if you've died to sin, why do you keep doing it? I mean, he's, he's swinging the pendulum the other way to kind of check us if we run too far down the, hey, I could do anything and get away with it. He's saying, listen, why are you still doing that if, if you believe in Jesus and, and you've, you've given up sin? And then his second question, and these are not, sometimes people ask questions and they don't, they don't really want an answer. They're just trying to tell you something. That's what Paul's doing here. The second one is, don't you know that all of us who, who believe in Jesus, have been baptized into his death. We're connected to his death, which was to sin. Therefore, why are we still doing it? Well, again, that's, that may simplify it a little bit, but it doesn't really tell us, tell us how to do that. Paul, Paul is telling us that, for one thing, clearly we don't have to sort our lives out to then get Jesus' love and God's grace. It's the other way around. God did this thing out of love. He sent his son to die for our sins. Jesus did for all the sins of the world. It's a done deal. It's for us. What Paul is talking about today is the result of that, the result of Jesus' death. What difference is it going to make in your life? Jesus' resurrection, what difference is it going to make in your life? So he's saying, in, in other words, you have died to sin because you belong to Jesus, even if you don't act like it. Here's, here's the truth. Don't you know that? And what follows all the rest of what I read uh, from like verse 4 to 14, he's going to give us a series of pictures to help us understand this. What difference does it make in your life? And, and how do we latch on to this new reality that that? God declares over us is true. So I wanna talk about these three pictures and then we'll come back at the end. The first picture, this is verses maybe four through seven, he says that we are united through baptism to Jesus' death. You're like, why'd you put wedding rings up there? Um, here's my illustration of, of how that works, that we are united through baptism, which is a symbol, with Jesus' death, which is the reality. Um, Couple months ago, Marchish, uh, I did our family taxes, and uh, Heather and I filed jointly our taxes. And um, Heather does lots of things, but she doesn't do our taxes. I do those, um, and I'm not looking for any kind of thank you. Wherever you're sitting this morning, here's my point: I filed them, already gotten the you know the response back from the government. If the IRS called Heather up tomorrow and said to her hey, uh, you you owe us some some taxes. We didn't hear from you. She could say legally and fairly, and I'm going to put this in Apostle Paul language, how shall I, who have paid my taxes, still owe taxes? Why can she say that? She didn't fill out the paperwork or get on TurboTax or answer the questions. It's because we are married, and you are allowed to legally file together, and because of what I did for us, it counts for her. She can say to the IRS, hey, it's done. We sent it in, got a little refund, a little not refund, but it's done. Um, and so I, you, I don't owe you anything. It's been done for me. And if, if you want to dispute that, talk to this guy who, um, you know, filled out the tax forms. <laughs> I would add to that question, that Apostle Paul question, how shall I, who have paid my taxes, still owe taxes? Here's the second question that he asked before. Don't you know, Mr. IRS man that all of us who wear a wedding ring are allowed to file jointly. So those are Paul's two questions, right? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? What Jesus has done for us counts for us because we're united to him through this covenant. So this is why I use marriage and taxes. Boy, it's all three right here, right? Death and taxes and, yeah. Um, So there's a covenant with God through Jesus, that his death and his resurrection count for us, and the symbol the symbol of that covenant action is baptism. I don't know why I'm pointing there. Baptism, back here. You know, we did that last week. That's the symbol of what God has done in Jesus, and it counts for us, his death um, to pay for sin and his resurrection to new life. Just as um, I, Heather and I are bound together in a covenant of marriage. And our rings are a symbol of that marriage. It's not the actual thing, it's a symbol of it. But when it comes to our taxes, the actions I take count for her. So there's you see the parallel there. Um, I will note, and this is this is kind of what Paul's getting at here, we can ignore the reality of our marriages and act poorly. In the same way, we can ignore the reality of uh, the resurrection it is a fact it is done it is for all who believe and we we have we carry the sign in our baptism of that but just as we can act out of the covenant of marriage we can act out of the covenant of uh, what God has done in Christ and that's what Paul's addressing it's like, why do you keep sinning well because you can but you shouldn't because you are bound to Christ and to all that he has done for you it would be as unthinkable as Heather's saying, I just want to send you some more, some more tax money, IRS, because, you know, whatever. Paul's saying, don't do it. You are bound to Christ, and he's done all that needs to be done. So be free from sin. Be free from the old life. It's been accomplished. So that's the first picture, united in baptism. Second picture, in verses, say, 8 through 10, he moves from that, that more theological, this is what God has done. Try to understand that. So a little more practical. Here's how to experience what I'm talking about. So he says uh, in verse 9 and 10, so Christ has been raised from the dead not to die again. Death is no longer master over him. And the death he died, he died to sin. The life he lives, he lives to God. He goes on, so consider basically all that true for you. too. Died to sin, raised to life, uh, life living to God. Um, I think about Lazarus. We talked about that a couple months ago, I think. He had died. Jesus showed up and raised him from the dead. Not the spiritual kind of resurrection that we've been talking about after Easter, but literally raised him from the dead. He got out of the tomb and was made whole. I wonder what life was like for Lazarus after that. Um, You know, Even in the modern day, it's not resurrection, but we'll have resuscitation, right, where people have died for a moment because of a heart attack or a drowning or some, um, you know, some tragic event, but doctors are able to revive them and resuscitate them. What is life like after you've experienced that kind of event? And I know some of you have. You have the choice, right, to have a new lease on life. It's like, hey, i got a second chance with this. It's, it's going to change everything. It's going to change my priorities and uh, how I spend my time and the, the kind of friends I have and, and even perhaps my testimony to god or changes nothing and you got to think if you've had that close a brush with death wouldn't it change something in your life and that's what paul's getting at here because of what christ has done for you this this resurrection this new reality you have a new lease on life are you going to just kind of waste that or really be thankful and grateful and and experience the the change that that uh, that brings third picture this one's a little bit more drawn out in verses 11 through 14 he says so consider yourselves dead to sin this is one reason this whole passage sounds so repetitive because he keeps saying the same thing but he gives us new pictures to understand it so here's the third time he's going to run through it again so consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to god in jesus don't let sin reign in your, your body and obey its lust. Don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Here's the, we kind of miss this in English. Uh, we still have the remnants of this language, but it's not as clear as it would have been back then. The, the word to present yourself is that of soldiers presenting themselves for inspection before their uh, commander. We, we still use it in the phrase present arms. Right, And so you're ready, you're equipped, you're trained, you are obedient and tuned in for whatever the command may be. Uh, that's, that's some of the idea behind this present yourself. And he's drawing, remember, greatest army arguably in the history of the world, the Roman army, they knew what it meant to present themselves to commanding officers and be ready, and they were well trained. That's, that's the image he's drawing on here. And even the word instruments that he uses is technically the word for weapons Um, it's it's going to be modified um, as we think about following christ and presenting ourselves to christ but this is the image that he's calling up here be ready be equipped be prepared be tuned in so that you can obey present yourselves not to sin you don't want to be tuned in and ready to go with sin but before god be ready and equipped and that's where um, you know, instruments are not weapons of destruction, but they are tools of righteousness. God, how have you equipped me to serve you in the world uh, kind of thing. But that's the, that's the third picture of what it means to be united to Christ and have a new, a new life. You know, united in baptism, new lease on life, and ready ready to go, present, presenting ourselves to God. Um, it's an opportunity, if I can just pull one more phrase from this image It's an opportunity for grateful enlistment in service to God. Um, So the resurrection life, uh, what Paul's talking about here, invites us to choose obedience to God, to recognize how united we are to Christ and the the way that redefines our reality. It doesn't redefine it like rewriting our code and and we suddenly act differently. It's it's a declaration over us, um, kind of like... I mean, imagine if um, a, you know, a family uh, adopts a young child who's, who's old enough to understand what's going on, and they have declared a new reality. You are now part of our family, and you are loved, and maybe even this is your, your new last name. But it takes some time, maybe a long time, to live into what is true. And that's how it is with faith. Um, in an instant, God, if you've trusted in Christ, God declares over your life you have a new name, and a new identity, and a new purpose, and a new reality. But it takes us a while to live into that. But that doesn't make it any less true. Um, and and it's, it's just as sad uh, when we live out of that, you know, away from that identity, because it's so wonderful what God has done for us when we, as Paul says, go on presenting ourselves uh, as tools for destruction. Um, when we have all this already already true and real and offered to us, and yet God gives us that choice um, to do that. So this is Paul's take. You know, each week we're kind of looking at different New Testament passages on the resurrection and what that means. This is the Apostle Paul giving us a couple of pictures for how, how to understand that and hopefully um, run towards it. I mean, I hope this sounds good, right? This is this is what I want in my life, to, to serve God, to be ready, to, um, to listen, to follow, to have that new lease and be thankful and grateful for it, because it does change everything. Oh, lastly, um, there is, in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, um, in a very real sense, God's people have been doing what Paul says not to do here. I mean, they the people of Israel, if anyone, have God's identity and name stamped all over them, and for... Um, some generations, they had, they had been disobedient back in the, the times of Joshua. And so in chapter 24 of Joshua, um, he, he's the, their leader, the successor to Moses. He stands in front of the people. He says, you, you are God's people. I mean, it's, it's literally your name, uh, Israel, to be God's people. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. He calls them back up to that scene of presenting yourselves to God. The, the trueness of God being their God and them being God's people hadn't ever changed for generations, but they had been running in the wrong direction. And so Joshua uses that same kind of um, almost military image of, of choose who you'll serve today. Present yourself to God. And he says, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And he, he puts that before the people. And that day, they do choose. They join him in that affirmation. And that's the... You know, the ongoing invitation in our lives. Um, and, and I know as much as anyone, it's not something you do at once and you're, you're set. I'm going to not sin the rest of my life. I'm good to go. I have to keep choosing after I keep messing up and saying, God, thank you. I want to present myself to you again and go where you would have me go and serve in the way you'd have me serve. So there is grace, but there's also this, this call on our life. Well, may God give us ears to hear. Amen.